Hi, this is Esti, host of the Friday A Public Affair. I hope you help us by contributing to WORT and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Bye. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. No power frequency radio. No change without struggle. No one in power ain't giving up nothing. No change without struggle. No one in power. WORT 89.9 FM Listener Sponsored Community Radio Madison, Wisconsin And hello, welcome to A Public Affair I am Esti Dinor On May 18, U.S. District Court Judge William Conley heard the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa's emergency motion to shut down Enbridge Energy's Line 5. Um, his decision was that while the pipeline will eventually present an imminent danger, that moment has not yet arrived. So we are here to um, talk about that. Unfortunately, sadly, um, we were not able to get anyone from Bad River to join us today. Um, hopefully, we'll get someone to join us at a later day to um, get another update. But we do have three excellent guests who um, can speak each from their point of view. With us is uh, Barbara Wythe. She's co-founder of Wisconsin Citizens Media Corp and Communities United by Water. She lives in Lake Superior on Madeline Island and has been reporting on water issues since 2011. She was part of Harvest Education Learning Project, Help Camp in Northern Wisconsin to protect the area from an open pit iron ore mine. You may remember us talking about that. She was part of Standing Rock, protecting the water from Dakota Access Pipeline and reported to us from there and was arrested on Enbridge Line 3 in the summer of 2021. And yeah, we reported about that too. Barbara is currently working to stop a devastating rupture of Enbridge Line 5 running through the Bad River Reservation. Also with us is Rob Lee. He is a staff attorney at Midwest Environmental Advocates, which is a non-profit environmental law center in Madison, where he works on a variety of issues, including oil pipeline pipeline regulation, wetland and waterway permitting, and protecting the Great Lakes. And the third guest we have today is Elizabeth Ward. She's the director of the Wisconsin branch of the Sierra Club, which works to prevent a climate catastrophe and protect Wisconsin lands, water, and wildlife. And um, thank you all for joining us today. Um, let's um, start with this recent decision. Uh, Barbara, you are not a member of Bad River, but you do live on Madeline Island. Island and um, if the pipe were to rupture, that would affect you very much too. Um, talk about that. What might happen and uh, what are your concerns currently? Well, my concerns currently are that, first of all, as I've investigated to try to find out who actually has the authority to do this shutdown, um, it seems to be very vague, even though the judge said he does have the power, he's not going to exercise it. So we learned that there's a five-day uh, span where they, uh, Enbridge would need five days to stop the flow of of oil. So... If the pipeline were to rupture today and 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 bear in mind this is not a spill this is a rupture it's called a guillotine rupture where it pours out of both sides it would take Enbridge five days to stop that flow of oil out of those pipes uh, the mapping of the oil flow um, seems like it's uh, it runs out the bad river through the Kakagan flues into the lake up the shorelines on both directions and over to Madeline Island 
And if there were such a rupture, then uh, boats are not allowed to travel in waters that are affected by this kind of rupture. So this would mean that those of us on the island would have to be airlifted off if this event happened during, say, the 4th of July and there were 10,000 visitors on our island. It would be a devastating situation between the toxic fumes and the lack of water. So I'm a little bit uh, concerned about the judge's uh, thought that it's not imminent, but that's what we stand to look at right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rob, I, I'm trying to understand how does one decide what imminent is? Um, how how do you understand it from how do you understand that decision from a legal point of view? Well, uh, I understand it to typically uh, be made on a on a case by case basis, right? And certainly left up um, to the reviewing judge's um, interpretation of the situation on the ground and and how um, the law applies to that. Certainly, there are um, legal principles, right, that will that that can guide the, uh, the court's decision. But and one of those principles is imminence, right? Um, but what exactly that means in this situation um, is, as of yet, unclear, right? Um, I think one of the reasons, or uh, in reading the briefs and other things, that um, this motion um, was filed was was the fact that there is no definition of imminence, right? And one, uh, even if the judge declines to grant the motion, he has indicated that that he will define what that means in the situation. And so that could at least be a good outcome from this. It seems like the way that it will likely be defined is in terms of some sort of distance, right? Uh, because of how close, right, the river bank gets to the pipeline itself. And it's pretty close right now. And we're talking within uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 10, 12, 20 feet, depending on exactly where you're at, of the bad river, right? Um, and so how close is too close such that the judge, you know, the judge will have that finding of imminence, I think remains to be seen, but but I think bad river and other folks are, are um, looking forward to the judge uh, providing further clarity there. The, the one thing I will say um, is that uh, it, it can't be, like imminence can't be the pipeline already being exposed to the Bad River. There's been too many instances where in the same event, right, where the flooding and the erosion occurs that exposes the pipeline and renders it unstable that the, the type of rupture that Barbara was talking about occurs, right? All in the same situation, right? So it's gotta be, right, in order to, I think, meaningfully uh, protect here, right, something short of actually being exposed, how close, again, remains to be seen. Yeah, I think it is a huge concern if it takes at least five days for Enbridge to start working on the pipe. Um, Things seem quite imminent right now. Um, is, is, Is that decision, Rob, like how permanent is it? What's what's next? What what can we expect to um, come next to help the judge decide what is imminent and when is imminent? Well, well, I think the the judge will, uh, intends to make that clear based on the statements made at the hearing, right? That he would define what that means and give clear guidelines, right? as to when he would be inclined to grant an injunction to, to shut the pipeline down, right? So that um, the, you know, the parties have clarity there. Um, so that that's where we would look for that, right? It is from, from the court itself as to when um, I think that, that time occurs, right? Um, yeah. Well, Elizabeth, as you look at the situation, what are your concerns? What are you thinking about from the point of view of the Sierra Club? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think Barb did a great job of kind of articulating the risk here. I think the concerns go human health, of course. Oil is dangerous. So a spill that pollutes the water. 
could be devastating uh, for human health, but also all the wildlife. The Bad River supports wild rice. It supports a number of fish. And of course, if horribly the oil made its way to Lake Superior and into the Great Lakes Network, there's 42 million people who drink um, water from the Great Lakes. I, I, as, uh, I hope the judge, you know, he hasn't issued his final ruling yet. I hope he sort of changes some of the things he indicated last week. But I also want to point out that the president does have the power to shut down the pipeline. And there, people have been calling on the president to shut down the pipeline for a long time, knowing that the risk is so great between the pipeline, the risk within the Straits of Mackinac. And then here we're seeing how serious and critical this crisis can get if we don't see him act. So as much as I want to see the judge do the right thing, I'd also like to see the president step in and shut down this pipeline because it's way too risky to allow it to continue to operate. Yeah, and that that's a really good point. Uh, Biden shut down the Keystone XL, but I don't think he has shut down any of the other ones since then. And as um, for us in Wisconsin and and in the Midwest, Michigan, etc., um, Line Five, Line Three are very important, and he hasn't shut either. What um, do you think? Elizabeth uh, might get him to start shutting more pipes down, and uh, how can we help him get there? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, the president has made strong commitments to the climate, and we saw that with the Keystone decision. We hope to continue seeing that. But I think the the more we can, people can call on him to step in, and the more that we can. Uh, make sure he sees how dire the situation is at the Bad River crossing, I think will help. It's also really important to remember that the judge ruled that Enbridge has been trespassing for almost a decade now. So there, the situation is imminent, in my opinion, but it's really serious right now. And also, he should step in and shut it down because of the environmental and the health impacts. But he should also step in because Enbridge is trespassing on a sovereign tribe's land and the tribe has told them to leave and they have refused to leave. So I think the more he hears about this, we've seen him act in other scenarios and stand with tribes and we've seen him stand with the climate and our water. And we just want to, I think it's important to keep elevating the call on him to have him see that again. And the Great Lakes are not just a regional resource. I mean, they're right. Some of the most pristine water in the entire world. The entire world will be impacted if something happens to our Great Lakes. And so um, this is truly a uh, local issue, but it's also an international issue. And we've seen that with some of the actions happening uh, by tribal leaders calling on Canadian governments to step in as well and protect the Great Lakes from Line 5. Yeah. Barb, um, tell us what you know about the history of uh, the pipe, of, of Line 5, and uh, how we got to where we are now. Well, this pipeline was, in, uh, was uh, installed, uh, I'm not exactly sure what year, uh, 70-some years ago, and it was done because the Bureau of Indian Affairs basically gave away land on the Bad River Reservation to the pipeline in the form of an easement. And when the easement expired in 2013, the Bad River Ban did not renew that easement. It was past its prime. It was only expected to last 50 years. Now we're into 70 years. They didn't want it in the watershed or on their official reservation land. And they spent until 2019, so six years, they spent negotiating with Enbridge to pull the pipe up, get it out of the ground, and Enbridge has refused, and not only refused, but they have launched a what I consider to be a uh, domestic terrorist campaign to do everything that they can locally, regionally, nationally, internationally, to keep their stronghold of their illegal operation. And so when Bad River finally had to go to court in 2019, it took till last November 
for the judge to rule that, yes, indeed, they are criminals, they are trespassing. They're not only trespassing, they're illegally enriching themselves, making more and more money while they're operating illegally. But he did not uh, shut down the line. He instead ordered them to go back and continue to negotiate. And that is about as insane as a case that he had where he had to sentence some young guy to eight years in prison for fentanyl and guns. So he wasn't going to take the fentanyl off the street or put the guy in jail because he might be afraid of the gang that the guy belongs to might hurt him. It's the same difference. Enbridge has regulatory captured governments from international to local, and they are killing us. So that's how we got here, as far as I can remember. So, Barb, you, you said that they engaged, that Enridge engaged in a domestic terrorist campaign. Can you explain what you mean by that? I mean that when someone attacks the water or the livelihood of so many citizens, not just the U.S. citizens, but the Canadian citizens, and right, willfully refuses to obey a court order, I would say that if that was an individual person and they were trying to destroy the water, that they would be considered a domestic terrorist, maybe even an international terrorist. And the only way that Enbridge is being allowed to do this is because they have captured all of the regulatory agencies all along the way. And it's a reflection of what's going on in this country on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Well, explain explain what you said just now, that they captured the regulatory um, agencies. I, I explain what you're saying there. That as soon as somebody from the government who is on some sort of regulatory board that is supposed to actually be regulating the industry, they are actually working together to make sure that the industry is protected over the people and the resources. And then when that person in that governmental position, that regulatory agency uh, gets out of there, they usually go to work for an oil company or Wall Street. And so it's a revolving door that we have in this country where corporations are allowed to dictate and write the laws. For example, the American Petroleum Institute actually authored the bill several years ago that the Democrat Janet Bewley signed on to, which was making it a felony for us to protest on uh, uh, an easement, no matter who owns it. And that was part of the regulatory capture. And it's going on on all levels of government. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rob, you've been working on uh, cases to do with uh, Enbridge, and you're also involved in in the current case in in um, a um, in some manner. You can you can explain. Um, do you do you see what Barb is talking about? Let, let's start with that, and then I have another question for you. Yeah, um, yeah. Just to be to answer that that other question, um, not uh, presently involved in any sort of litigation. I think what uh, MEA and I have principally been focused on, right, is uh, Enbridge's proposal to reroute Line Five as a result of uh, the Bad River Bands uh, litigation. So certainly could could speak to that. But as far as what uh, and what Barb is saying, I think um, Enbridge has a tremendous uh, amount of power, right? Um, both in Canada and the United States, right? And that, that, and that its operations um, are either to some extent um, protected in the law or for example, like here in Wisconsin, there is no regulatory agency, right, with direct oversight over the siting of oil pipelines, right? The, the regulatory authority is over some of the uh, secondary consequences because the pipeline has to go through wetlands and over waterways and, and things like that, right? But, but certainly there, there's no comprehensive um, law to regulate oil pipelines, say 
like um, natural gas or, or electrical transmission lines that need to get a certificate of, of uh, public convenience and necessity from our public service commission. That doesn't uh, occur when it comes to oil pipelines uh, here in Wisconsin. So, you know, um, part of that power is not only being able to, to use the law, right, uh, in your favor, but to prevent any law from being uh, enacted in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we also have a law now that is relatively new that makes it a felony to trespass on pipeline easements. Uh, talk about that, please. Uh, yeah, we, we were certainly, uh, MEA um, was adamantly opposed to that law when it first came out, right? Um, and because the way that it was drafted, right? The uh, utility infrastructure easements are everywhere, right? They go underneath the sidewalk outside of the Capitol building, right? If I'm standing on that and I don't have authority or permission from Enbridge to be there, the law says that's a class H felony, right? Um, Now, whether someone would be prosecuted um, for standing outside the Capitol, of course, but that law certainly can be weaponized to put down um, protest, right, against uh, certain actions and to be able to disproportionately punish those um, who speak out. Now, there were some First Amendment protections purported to be included in the law, but those protections exist regardless, right? Those are handed down from the U.S. Constitution. The state doesn't get to dictate those bounds. But another big uh, problem that I saw with that law is, um, particularly in waterways, too, where these um, the pipelines cross our public waters that the public has a right to access. The law says you not only have to have um, the right to be where you are, right, which would be covered under our state's public trust doctrine, but you have to have authority from the en- energy provider, in this case, Enbridge, permission from them to also be there, right? How it, it Anyway, so I think that um, I think that law was not very well thought through um, and uh, is designed to punish those who speak out against Enbridge. We got it during the Walker years. Is that correct? As I remember. Uh, is that OK? I'll defer to Elizabeth. She's Elizabeth. <laughs> no, you don't know either. Um, I think. No, we- uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it was Governor Evers who did sign it. Oh, it was. Um, No Democrat in the legislature voted for it, but the governor did sign it into law, which was too bad. And I want to add on to everything Rob just added, um, that it also means Bad River members technically shouldn't be going on their own land, right, in their own reservation because of this. So it's another example of putting this oil company ahead of, you know, like Rob said, all of us who want to speak up and don't think it's an accident. It happened during the line three fight and right ahead of the line five fight here in Wisconsin. It's just another example of putting these oil companies ahead of tribal rights and ahead of all of us who want to speak up for our water and our climate. Yeah. So basically exactly what Barbara said. Yeah. Well, we are talking today about Line 5 and um, the latest developments and um, the concerns about it rupturing and what the future might hold. You are welcome to join our conversation if you haven't called in the past seven days. And if you have relevant questions or comments, my guests again are Elizabeth Ward, who you just heard. She's the director of the Wisconsin branch of the Sierra Club. Rob Lee, who is a staff attorney at Midwest Environmental Advocates and has been working on uh, cases to do with Enbridge. And Barbara With, who uh, lives on Madeline Island. She's also co-founder of Wisconsin Citizens Media Co-op and Communities United by Water. The number here is 608-256-2001. You can also join us on uh, social media at Talk on Twitter or a public affair 
on uh, Facebook. So I I would like to um, go to um, who else is responsible besides Enbridge, though um, I also want to talk about Enbridge and uh, its uh, history. But um, Barb, how do you see the role of the Canadian government here? Enbridge is a Canadian company. Um, what's the role of the Canadian government? The role of the Canadian government is that Justin Trudeau is as captured as all the rest of them, and they're, they're evoking this 1977 treaty between Canada and the United States. And it was a treaty that they made uh, to ensure that the pipelines would be able to run un without any kind of ability to really shut them down on a local level. I imagine they said it was for some sort of national security. But what it's done now is that it's, it's created the situation where no one has any power or recourse at all to, uh, in this kind of situation, unless you're going to go before a court that isn't regulatory captured, which is hard to find, I think. But Canada has an incredible um, water-protecting environmental consciousness on the ground that is desperately trying to get through to their uh, um, politicians to bring their awareness to this situation uh, and also what's going on over in Michigan where they're trying to put a tunnel under the straits to replace those 70-year-old lines from Line 5. So uh, Canada is and the United States governments are together on this plan to keep us unable to uh, protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, Rob, um, Barbara mentioned the Michigan and uh, Michigan's Attorney General Dana Nessel filed lawsuit against Enbridge for violating the order um, to to shut down the pipe in May 2021. Um, she has requested that the Federal Appeals Court send the case back to state court for adjudication. What do you know about that? Um, what's going on with that? And how well might it work? Well, I think you're... The reason this is relevant, of course, right, is that what's happening with the Bad, Bad River Band isn't in a vacuum, right? This is a 645-mile-long pipeline, right, that is in both Wisconsin and in Michigan, crossing vulnerable places and all of that. And certainly what is happening in Michigan is relevant here in Wisconsin and vice versa, because uh, I think outcomes uh, in either will impact the other, right? So. Um, uh, certainly um, saw uh, and had proof, right, several years ago that the line, um, line five, which is just sitting on the bed, right, of the straits right there, um, had uh, actually been struck by an anchor from a boat, right, and had moved it off its uh, uh, reinforcements there on the, on the bed of it and actually indented the side of the pipeline. And so uh, there was a brief time where they did have um, the pipeline shut down momentarily, and I believe Enbridge um, inspected it, said it was okay, and just turned it right back on, right? And, and if I recall correctly, uh, the state of Michigan's elected officials took issue with that, right? And um, just like the um, meander over there in the Bad River is an extremely vulnerable spot, so is the Straits of Mackinac, right? Um, let, let, let's not forget that those connect uh, both Lake uh, Michigan and Huron, right? And water flows, right? Uh, modeling from that has even shown how a spill in the straits there um, may very well reach the shores of Wisconsin, including around uh, in the Bay of Green Bay. So um, it's a very real issue there. And this idea um, 
right, that we should have any uh, hazardous liquid pipeline in a Great Lake, right, I just think should fundamentally be a non-starter. Elizabeth Hinnett, these are international treasures, right, these Great Lakes. There is nothing like them uh, anywhere else in, in the world. And I, I think the idea back in 1950 to put a pipeline there, I don't care if they encase it, encase it in a concrete tunnel. It is a bad idea. So, yeah. and so I think um, we support the efforts over there. Um, I haven't been directly um, involved in um, the actual cases, but just kind of following them from afar. So we not only have the attorney general's action to try to get um, the pipeline as it currently exists shut down, right? We have Enbridge applying for permits to be able to build this tunnel there, which is also going through the administrative process of being um, litigated to a certain extent. So um, it'll certainly be interesting. But uh, I, what I think is so interesting about that, right, is that and to, to fully profit off of this pipeline, Enbridge very much needs to get it from Superior to Sarnia, Ontario, right? They need it to go through the strait. So even though we're upstream here in Wisconsin and, and Line 5 could theoretically keep pumping oil if it were shut down at the straits, it no longer becomes economically viable. So um, to, to kind of to run it there. So when there is a win upstream, and I think the, the folks here are, who are concerned about what's going on in northern Wisconsin applaud and, and support um, the Michigan AG's efforts. Yeah. Elizabeth, um, I imagine that the Sierra Club in Michigan is deeply involved too. Um, talk about collaborations and cooperations um, between you and them and uh, generally um, environmental um, organizations and native people. How just how well is it working? Yeah, I think one of the things that shows how serious and broad of an issue this is, is the number of people who have been engaged. That's regionally, there's certainly Sierra Club in Canada, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan around the lakes have been engaged, but many other environmental organizations. There are tribes engaged in all of the states I mentioned. Um, at Barb mentioned a lot of activists working on the ground in Canada, but there's also uh, the Great Lakes Business Network was formed with the purpose of businesses saying if there were a spill here, it would devastate our economy. At the trial last week, there were three business owners who spoke uh, and testified about how far-reaching the economic impact of this would be beyond just the health and wellness issues. We're talking about areas in northern Wisconsin and, and the Upper Peninsula that this entire economy revolves around tourism. And so, so many people are coming together. You're seeing that, I mean, the governor herself of Michigan has come together. 51 tribal entities across uh, the country in Canada signed a letter to the UN asking them to step in with the way Canada is putting a fossil fuel company's interests over the, uh, the tribes and their rights. So this is getting attention and people are working together, figuring out how to support one another kind of across the board. In response to the court case in Enbridge's fine, or um, sorry, Bad River's filing, a letter by Bad River or uh, Indigenous women were sent to the president asking him to shut down the pipeline, and 150 organizations in I think three days uh, got together and signed on and said, "Please listen to these women. Please support these women. Please shut down this pipeline." So people are really coming together to um, recognizing that this threat, this is a threat for so many different reasons. Yeah. Barb, um, I would like you to also talk about the role of major banks, which are continuing to finance the fossil fuel economy. Um, yeah, talk about that, please. Well, I'm, I'm no, no expert on any of the bank stuff at all. Um, I, I'm sure that there's major banks. Um, who have been pressured. Some are letting go. Some are doubling down. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know much about that. Okay. Elizabeth, I imagine you can talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah. And 
unfortunately, I think we're seeing lots of banks uh, finance fossil fuel projects in general and um, and probably would be excited to finance the reroute that Rob mentioned or the tunnel that Rob mentioned. Uh, you know, they historically utilities and infrastructure has been a safe bet in terms of financing. You know what's going to happen uh, and you'll know, you know that there's going to be money coming back to you. That's changing quickly. We're seeing we're seeing some um, some of these big investors pull out, recognizing the climate impacts and not wanting their money to go there. But we're also seeing that fossil fuels and utilities are not as good of an investment as they used to be. I mean, certainly we're seeing this on the electricity side, where you know coal plants and gas plants are becoming stranded assets. They're actually not a good investment. And I think as uh, more awareness grows, as some of the um, you know fuel standards and things like that um, get up to speed, we're going to see that happening on pipelines and other infrastructure as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, talk about the the proposed rerouting. Um, when might that happen? What what about it? What, I don't know anything about that. Tell us. So uh, after the Bad River Band filed their ejectment suit right, um, in June of 2019, uh, Enbridge began uh, preparing right plans for uh, an alternative right to the line continuing uh, operating uh, on the reservation itself. And in February of 2020, filed um, an application with uh, the the Wisconsin Department of uh, Natural Resources, as well as the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for permits um, that it needs to reroute that pipeline um, yes, outside of, of the Bad River Reservation, but importantly, very close to uh, the reservation boundary and very much still within the Bad River watershed, right? Um, and upstream of the band, right? So any, uh, you know, anything that happens right along that pipeline um, there still is putting the, the band uh, at risk there. So, and and that's something that, um and that's something the band has been clear about, right? They don't just want it off the reservation. They want it out of their watershed, right? So it can, can no longer adversely uh, impact them. The The proposal would uh, to reroute it um, would be to construct a, approximately 42 miles of new pipeline, right? Um, to replace a, about 12 miles of the pipeline um, and will, would continue, right? I'm transporting upwards of 540,000 barrels per day, right? Um, but of course, uh, that's been met with um, opposition, right? We don't um, think that not, not only should the the pipeline continue to operate on the reservation, we recognize that it's already 20 years outdated, right? And that, yes, while this may be putting new, uh, replacing an older section with a new section, it's still facilitating the operation of the rest of the 645 miles of a 70-year-old pipeline in Lake Michigan, Huron, superior watersheds, right? And uh, and it's just a big problem. But but even beyond the Great Lakes themselves are the impacts that this these sorts of linear infrastructure projects impose, right? It's it will cross uh, over 200 water features just in that 42 mile stretch, right? It will permanently fill fill dozens of acres um, of wetlands and temporarily impact uh, hundreds, I think, acres more, right? Um, and and beyond that, right, is um, just the the impacts of continuing to bust, combust these fossil fuels that the pipeline transports, right, which need to be evaluated as part of the environmental review process for the reroute. Because as it stands, no one has ever looked at uh, comprehensively the environmental impacts of this line, right? So uh, I think, unfortunately, we've seen instances where uh, people seem to think that Enbridge's ability to to get these permits or simply continue operating Line 5 is a foregone conclusion, right? And that they just get to in violation of public rights, of tribal rights, right? Um, and quite frankly, the law. And um, 
and, and so for those reasons, right, we're going to continue to work in opposition to, to this to this reroute um, here, too, because we don't think that at a time when we need to be transitioning away from fossil fuel, uh, fossil fuel combustions, that putting new infrastructure in the ground, right, uh, is a good idea. Yeah, and I imagine, uh, Barb, that you're not excited about um, this plan of uh, Enbridge's, are you? Nobody knew the terrain like we do who live up there, that they are proposing to do their horizontal directional drilling, which is where they drill under the waterways horizontally, as they did in Line 3 in northern Minnesota, and actually had probably about 43 frack outs, which means they hit the aquifer and damaged it some possibly beyond repair. So when you go to northern Wisconsin, and many many people in the southern part of the state might not realize that this is million-year-old mountain rock that they're proposing to drill through in their horizontal directional drilling. Hmm. And it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, we have a caller, and um, you also are welcome to still call us at 608-256-2001, extension 9. Steve, you're on the air. Yeah, uh, Barb, Rob, and Liz, uh, to any and all. When we use this vaguely defined noun, risk, as pertains to line 5, does this refer to the hazards involved in any transshipment of petrochemicals? Or is this particular uh, tube compromised by some specific local conditions of which I'm unaware? Thank you, Esty. Okay. Who wants to respond to that? I'll take I, it. I, you go ahead, Rob. Oh, okay, Bar- Barb, you can supplement. Um, I will say, as far as the motion that Bad River filed that we um, started off the hour discussing, it was very much in response to conditions on the ground, right, uh, based um, on uh water flows in the spring thaw right and all that in the bad river and the erosion that it is uh, causing uh right next to line five and uh, and the when we say risk and we're talking about the imminence of that right um it is uh, extremely imminent and we're talking about exposing a 70 year old pipeline itself to the current of the bad river right and all the debris in it and everything else so as far as risk in that term that that's what we mean very real and, and from our perspective uh very imminent as far as um line five or oil pipelines generally it's a combination of factors right it's not only the construction of the pipeline itself, the materials, the safety precautions that were put in place, what it was backfilled with, all of that. Um, it's also um, a product of the, the company who responsible for that pipeline, continuing to maintain it and ensure integrity of that pipeline, which Enbridge unfortunately doesn't have a very good track record of doing, right? It's also the placement of the pipeline near vulnerable natural resources. For example, Enbridge proposes the reroute to go right over the Copper Falls Aquifer, which feeds the city of Mellon um, right there, and actually will go over a, uh, a very sensitive recharge area for that aquifer, right? So if a, sp- a spill or something were to occur there, right, the risk is ex- exponentially higher. And then, of course, anytime you're talking about hazardous liquid uh, transport, right, um, its proximity to people, right, um, can also impose a significant risk depending on the exact scenario. Certainly, there are risks with other methods of transportation too, right? But the whole point um, of all of this effort is to wean ourselves off of it so we don't have to be transporting it. Um, certainly not with the same uh, intensity that we currently do. Yeah. Barb, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, just a couple things. One is when this pipeline was built back in the 60s, it was 320 feet from the river. The Bad River Band are the ancestral uh, overseers of this river. They know this river. They know when there's imminent danger. They have told us there is imminent danger. From the time we were in court last week, and it was touted to be 11 feet from the pipeline, the next day uh, it went down to 7 feet from the pipeline. And there's been word that it's 
now five feet from the pipeline. The second thing is Enbridge put through line three through northern Minnesota. The danger is not just a rupture. It's the fact that they will lie about how safe their practices are. The regulatory captured politicians will lie to us and then give them that right. And then they've destroyed 43 places they've gone through the aquifer in line in line three. That's not a, a, just a pipeline uh, situation. It's a, an, a, a corporation that has no concern for the damage that they do because they know they're going to pay a bunch of money at the end. And the third thing is this, this oil is going back to Canada. They did not want to route it through their precious lands. And so they brought it through ours. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of things about it that don't add up. Yeah, and I think that um, last point is very important. I was actually going to ask about it. Um, so, Barb, you, you and I were both at the Line 3 um, resistance camp. And uh, one day there was a group of women, uh, very nicely done and dressed and all that, who um, were launching their kayaks. And um, I started talking with them, and they were very hostile. They uh, they said, well, we all need energy. You want light in your house, right? You want to be able to cook? Well, we need these pipes. But these pipes don't actually serve the United States, do they? No, they don't. There might be a, a, a small portion of them, and there's some, uh, some stuff that Rob maybe can quote better than I can. But for the most part, they, go, they come into the United States in uh, northern Minnesota. They've ruined northern Minnesota's aquifer now. They're going through. They want to build this Line 5 reroute, which would destroy our aquifer, and then they want to go under the straits and possibly destroy the Great Lakes. And and my thing to those those women, whoever they were, and to everybody else in this country and in this world that thinks that, you know, you can't, you, you know, we have to have electricity, sure, you can't live without water. It's a non-renewable resource, and you do not, you're not able to survive. The Bad River Band has survived for how long? Generations and generations and generations. And not because of oil. Yeah. Elizabeth, uh, you've been nodding your head. We have uh, only six minutes left or so. So um, if there's any comments you want to make, but I also want to uh, get quickly into what needs to be done and what can be done. So um, go ahead with both of these questions. Sure. And I think uh, Barb sort of framed it well. If we're choosing between the Great Lakes and our drinking water and our wild rice or oil that doesn't even serve us. I mean, there are some people who do get propane from the line five, but there are solutions for that solutions that the state of Michigan has come up with a series of solutions that do not require this pipeline to continue. The answer is obvious, right? We'll go with no pipeline, especially as uh, Rob pointed out, this is, uh, I think um, somebody called it the worst place you could put this pipeline in the world. So it's really clear there should be no pipeline in this place it, threatening the Great Lakes. And uh, so the judge is going to do what he's going to, right? There's no way for us to impact the judge. He's going to do what he thinks he's required to do under the law. I hope he recognizes, you know, that tribal law really does and should reign over a fossil fuel company. But in terms of what to do and what's next, I really think we just need to keep that pressure on the president because he does have the authority to shut down that pipe, the pipeline uh, faster than anybody else can. We've seen Enbridge decide to ignore the governor in Michigan's, illegally ignore the governor in Michigan's order to shut down the pipeline. We really need the president to step in. And this conversation just shows how serious and dire the need for him to act swiftly is. Yeah. Uh, Rob, your thoughts in uh, two minutes or less on what well, kind of should I'll be just, done? 
uh, finally close the question. There is some minor offloading of natural gas liquids of Line 5 at Rapid River, which, as Elizabeth pointed out, um, provides limited propane um, to, to some families in the Upper Peninsula for heat. But she also rightly pointed out there's a means to address that, right? Um, but as far as big picture moving forward, I think we need to support the tribal sovereignty, right, um, of not just um, the Bad River Band, but of all tribes, um, and particularly those here in Wisconsin and over in Michigan who are battling a, you know, multi-billion dollar international corporation here that has to date basically done mostly of what it, want, uh, what it wants, but have to continue to uh, stay involved, right? Stay energized and, and continue to lift up the voices um, that matter um, to those uh, in power and, and speaking truth to them. And um, it, it's uh, the, the, the folks working against this, right? That group just um, continues to grow, right? And, uh, and hopefully will, and eventually will be met with success, right? Um, it's just a matter of when, right? I may not come with, a decision out of a federal district court in Wisconsin, but I, the day will come. Mm -hmm. And um, Barb, you've been an indefatigable activist uh, involved in many of these struggles. What have you learned? What works? What should be done? What Two minutes. Done is, first of all, every single citizen of the state should be calling their legislators. They've They've all been delivered the information of the urgency. I personally took it over the So call your legislator. Call your assembly person. Tell them to call the governor. Tell them to call the AG. Tell, call the AG and call the governor and tell them to call the president. And call the president. Something is wrong. We need to rise up together and make our voices heard. Yeah. Well, thank you um, to all three of you. Barb Worth, co-founder of Wisconsin Citizens Media Corp and Communities United by Water. Um, are you reporting now for the Wisconsin Citizens Media Corp? Yes, we just did a. We did the only article in all the many, many, many articles that were published around the world that said the truth about that hearing last week. So go there and read it. Okay, good to know. And uh, Rob Lee, staff attorney at Midwest Environmental Advocates, and I, I appreciate Rob, you, and other um, attorneys who work on these issues. I imagine you don't make as much money as uh, attorneys who work for Enbridge and so on. Uh, so thank you for um, doing that. And Elizabeth Ward, the director of the Wisconsin branch of the Sierra club thank you all and thanks to jade and nate and patty and summer get better hope to see you here next week i'm esti dinor bye bye